I know when I talk about greater, some of you kind of half believe me. When we start talking about the fact that God's desire for you is to prosper you, some people get a little uneasy with that thought. You know, prosperity. Like you go, oh, you know, prosperity, that little prosperity doctrine preacher. We talked about this, right? Some of you get really excited, like, come on, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Others of you are like, uh, this is kind of. But you need to know that when we talk about prosperity, it's not about Mercedes and mansions, although there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not what it means when God's word says that he wants to prosper you. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts, plans to prosper you, right, to give you a, a future and a hope. It's God's heart. So look at the, you got some plans for 2022, don't you? Come on, how many of you got some plans for 2022? If you didn't raise your hand, you gave up on making plans, right? You're like, I had plans for 2020, right, and it didn't work out. Whether or not you've got plans for 2022, listen, God's got plans for your 2022. And his plans, according to Jeremiah 2011, are to prosper you. Do you know what it means? It just simply means to move you forward. God is going to move you forward. In other words, your, your faith in this next year, God wants it to be stronger than it was in the last year. Your, your marriage in this next year is stronger than it was in this last year. Your relationship with your kids in this next year are stronger than it was in this last year, relationship with your friends. You fill in the blank. God just wants to move you forward. He wants to prosper you. Amen? If you believe it, say amen. It's his heart. It's his desire. And as we move as a church into this next year, we believe God wants to do great things. But as we talk about the great things, I think we also need to talk about the great need. Because what sets us up for great things, watch this, is the realization that there's great need. And in our world right now, there is great need. There, there's desperation right now in our world. There, there's a greater need, it seems like, than, than ever before. Do you know that there are 40 million Americans right now that are struggling with hunger today? And 12 million of them are, Christ, are, are children. Suicide and depression is on the rise, obviously. We've talked a lot about that as a church and how everything we've gone through in this last season has, has brought a lot of people um, into great bouts with depression and many people and many uh, people are wrestling with thoughts of suicide. There's many taking their own lives. One in three students admit to suffering from depression. And there are close to 100 suicide attempts every hour in America today on our watch. The suicide rate is now two times, is claiming twice as many lives as, as murderers right now. More people are taking their lives and their lives are being taken from them. Human trafficking right now is the fastest growing criminal industry in the world, generating more than $150 billion every single year. One in four girls and one in six boys right now on our watch in, in our time will be sexually abused before they, before they turn 18 years old. It's just the, the reality of the world that we're living in right now. Do you know that there are more people trapped in slavery today through human tra trafficking industry than have ever been in slavery in the history of our nation? A lot of people don't know that. And only 1% are actually rescued from that. 
You just turn on the news and you're bombarded with the need, right? You turn on the news and you're bombarded with the fact there's all sorts of stuff, there's all sorts of uh, frustration, there's all sorts of, um, there's all sorts of hatred, there's all sorts of uh, kind of division in our world. Like we're more polarized than we've ever been. Come on, you feel it, right? You turn on the news and it's like, we have a nation, we have a nation in need, we have a, a world in need. And you don't even have to turn on the news. I mean, you could look in your own circle, right? I don't even have to look at what's happening in the nation. I got my own world to deal with. I mean, look at your, look at your own sphere of influence. You got, everyone's got, you know, so-and-so's uh, child is struggling with this. So-and-so's marriage. So-and-so's addiction. So-and-so, and it's just this, your, your own community circle. There's massive amounts of need, right? And you draw a line even, you draw the circles even tighter and go, my, like my own life has got some need, right? Some of you are, are bearing uh, the, the weight of trying to provide for your family right now, and it's, it's, the, the strain is m- more than you've ever uh, had to deal with in, in, in your whole life. And, and, and it's weighty, right? You, some of you, uh, your relationships are strained, and there's just need. Come on, you feel it? I know. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? I mean, it's all depressing. But I need you to feel it, because a lot of people won't. A lot of people want to act like it's not there. A lot of people want to ignore what's happening in our world and and pretend that it's not happening. But God doesn't call the church to ignore it. God calls the church to get pressed up against it and to feel it like it should bother you. It should bother you what's, what's happening on our watch. It should bother you that so many kids today are taking their lives and wrestling with depression. It should bother us more than anybody. Like, we carry it on our hearts. It should bother us what's happening in the lives of our friends and our, and our family. It should, it should bother you. And so I just want to press you up against the need, even in your own life. I need you to identify the need in your own life. I mean, think about even the need in our, in our church. Yeah, we need a facility. We, we need the resource to do what God's called. We need, there's this need because there's a call and there's a need so here's the question. How does God intend to meet that need? If we serve a good God, do we serve a good God, church? Okay, well, if we serve a good God, how does this good God meet those needs? If God cares about people in our nation, if God cares about the division in our if God cares about the healing of our land, what's his plan to heal our land? John 14, 12, Jesus says this, Very truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. Pause with me for a second. Pause, pause, pause. Don't read on. You're not allowed to see here. The disciples are walking with Jesus. And Jesus is performing ministry. Okay, what is ministry? Ministry is, watch this. If you're taking notes, this is a good definition of ministry. It's heavenly resources meeting human needs. That's what ministry is. And so Jesus is meeting the needs of people with heavenly resources. And so here he is, he's he's meeting all these needs. He's doing ministry. As a church, we are called by God to do ministry in our city, ministry in our nation. What are we doing? We are meeting human needs with heavenly resources. So Jesus is walking around doing that everywhere. And the disciples are amazed. Because can you imagine walking with Jesus as he's doing all this? I mean, he's healing people. He's he's. Performing miracles, and you're watching Jesus do all these. It's pretty incredible. And then Jesus turns to you and says, "Oh, hey, do you see everything I'm doing? You're going to do these things." 
Oh, and by the way, he, he tags it with this. And you will do, bring it back up, and you will do even, say it with me, greater. You see what I'm doing? You're going to do this. Disciples are like going, whoa. And he adds to it, oh, you're going to do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. You see what I'm doing right now? You see what's happening through my life, Jesus says? You see the ministry that's taking place? You see the needs that are being met? Oh, you've not seen anything yet because I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to send the Spirit. The Spirit of God is going to fill my people. And my people filled with the Spirit of God are going to go out into a world in need and be able to do now more ministry, meet more needs. How? Through the life of the local church. The people of God, filled with the Spirit of God, meeting the needs of the world through the heavenly resources that he's given us. So how does God intend to meet this need? God always starts a great work by putting people in the midst of great need. When we say as a church that God is going to do greater, I am not just saying some cute thing that you get to tweet out and throw on your Instagram. Pastor Chris said, God, God's the God of great things. It's, it's not just a tweetable moment. It's the reality. God right now in heaven looks down and says, I want to do a great work. I want to do a great work in the city of Redlands and all the surrounding cities. God says, look, look at whether you believe this or not. God wants to do a great work in California. Like some of y'all, California's going to hell in a handbasket. This is as dark as ever. We complain about it, right? And it is dark. But Jesus is the light of the world. Amen? And sometimes it's in the darkest of nights that the light shines the brightest. And I'm telling you, I don't mind it getting dark. Because I got the light of the world. And this is where these moments right now that we're facing in California, that we're facing, these are the moments that we don't complain. These are the moments where we shine. We have an opportunity right now. I'm not going to miss it. We talk about battleground states in the election, the battleground states spiritually. I'm telling you, as California goes, as New York goes, as so goes the nation, we're going to be at the front lines of what God wants to bring to the nation as we step into what he wants to do in this state. Amen? Come on, church. Where are you at this morning? I'm fired up. I mean, you're not here on accident. Some of you, some of you you've been wondering, and you're like, like, God just keeps calling you back. Hold on. God is going to do a great work. How? He puts you and I up against great need. And, and, and then he, this is what he'll do, watch. He'll intentionally press you up against it. He'll make it more obvious. He always starts a great work by putting his people up against great need. He's going to put you up a great, against great odds. Like it's not a great work, it's not a miraculous thing, unless the thing that happened needed to be a miracle. What we need right now is a miracle. And so God pushes us up against this tension of, of a miracle. Why? Because he's about to do a miracle. He wouldn't put you there if you didn't have a miracle in mind. You following me? Think about the, the, the he works this way all throughout scripture. And he's going to do it again because he always does. He takes the disciples and he's about to do a miracle. How many of you know 
that the feeding of the 5,000 was a miracle. Because it wasn't just 5,000, it was actually 15,000. They only counted the men, you count the women and children, you got about 15,000 people. And if you don't know the story, Jesus pushes the disciples up against this need. Everyone's getting hungry, it's late in the evening, people are starting to, you know, get all hangry at each other. And there's this need to feed all these people. And the disciples want to send them away. Like their, their, their way of dealing with the need is like, can't we just send them like bakers or something? Can we just, you know, the in and out run? Anybody like, can we just, Jesus, can we send them away? But Jesus wants to do a miracle. So instead of just sending the problem away, he pushes them up against it. Watch what he says in Mark 6, 37. Jesus said to them, don't send them away. You feed them. How are you going to meet the need, Jesus? He's going to look at the, at the disciples. He's going to look at the people of God and say, you feed them. You meet the need. And, and then the disciples go, like, with what? Like, like, if we've worked, we'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy the food to feed all these people. Like, Jesus, what are you doing? He's pushing the disciples up against the need. You feed them, right? You handle this. I, you're the plan. Church, listen, you're the plan. You're the plan A. There is no plan B. How does God do it? You. You feed them. Think about it. Every great work starts with great need, and God's pushing his people against that need. Think about, think about Moses for a second. Moses and the hundreds and thousands of Israelites who are trapped in slavery need to be set free. God sees this need. What's the need? His people are in slavery. And right now there's, there's people trapped in, in, in slavery and oppression all around us. And God wants to set some people free. Amen? How in the world is God going to set them free? Well, he takes this leader named Moses and he pushes Moses up against the need. And watch what it says in Exodus 3, 7 and 8. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So God's going to do something about it. Watch. So I have come down to rescue them. Guys, pause with me and notice for a second. Who's about to do the work? Who's good? God says, I'm going to come down and rescue them. Well, that sounds good, right? I'm going to come down and rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out of that land and into a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God says, I'm going to move them into the promised land. Great. Go for it, God. Let's go. Watch what he does. How is God going to do it? Who's doing it? God's doing it. How is God going to do it? Exodus 3.10. He turns to Moses. Moses is all excited. God, are you going to do it? This is great. But then he turns to Moses and says, therefore, Moses, go. Wait, wait, wait. I thought you were going to go, God. He says, Moses, you go. For I am sending you to the Pharaoh. Oh, held up. I thought you were doing the work. Yeah, I am doing the work. How? I'm going to send you to the Pharaoh. Oh, hey, I don't know if I like that. He says, I'm going to send you to the Pharaoh. Go back. To bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Well, God, who's doing this? Is it you? Is it me? God says, I'm doing it through you by pushing you in and up against the need. I'm going to use you to, to lead through this moment, to lean in through this moment. How do you think the disciples felt when they had nothing to feed the 5,000 people? 
Someone say overwhelmed. Like a little overwhelmed. Like this is just overwhelming. Like how in the world are we going to do? How do you think Moses felt when, when God said, I'm actually going to lead these hundreds and thousands, some believe over a million people out of slavery and in the promised land through you? How do you think he felt? Someone say overwhelmed. Everyone's like, God, this is overwhelming. The greatest stories over, always start with overwhelming need. I'm talking about the overwhelming need in your life, the overwhelming need in your family, the overwhelming need in your circles, the overwhelming need in California, the overwhelming need in our nation. The greatest stories always start with overwhelming need. And God is pushing you and I right now up against that need. So here's a question we need to ask ourselves. What are we supposed to do when God presses us up against such immeasurable odds? You look and go, the odds are this ain't going to work out. The odds are we can't meet all these needs. The odds are, right, I, I can't do, the odds are. What do we do when God pushes us up against, our, against these odds? I want you to take some notes. So I'm going to give you some things that you need to apply. We need to apply to our lives, to our church. We live this out in the context of what God's called us to. The first thing is this. Write this down. Ready? You got to start with what you got. Write it down. Come on. Start with what you got. Someone say, start with what you got. That's right. You start with what you've got. I mean, come back with me to Moses for a second, right? God, God calls him to do this overwhelming thing, to lead Hundreds of thousands of people, and, and he's doubting himself. If you know the story of Moses, you go back and read it in Exodus. He, he's, he's complaining to God that he has a speech impediment. He's trying to get out of this. He's going, God, I, I can't do this. God, I, 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 and he, he has a speech. I can't even speak right, God. How, how am I going to do this? And he's complaining to God. And then God, in response to his complaining, asks him a very strange question. So he's going, God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to meet this need? How am I going to lead these people? How in the world do you expect this to happen? God asked him a really interesting question. I want you to see it. Exodus 4, verses 2 through 3. The Lord said to him, in the midst of all his complaining, he's like, Moses, stop complaining. That's my version. And then this is what he says, watch. What is that in your hand? Do you think God didn't know it was in his hand? What is that in your hand? And Moses says, a stick? It's a staff? He replied, and the Lord said, throw it on the ground. He throws it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake. And he ran from it. Come on. Amen. I would too. I hate snakes. <laughs> Look at me. God said, I'm about to do something incredible through you. God says, I'm about, about to do something incredible in your world and in your life and in your circle and in your, in your greatest need. I'm about to do something great. And here's where we're going to start. What's in your hand? And God knew full well there was a staff in his hand. He wasn't asking him like, like God, what is that? God wanted Moses to look at it. God wanted Moses to recognize what he had in his hand. And what he had in his hand was a staff. And that staff for Moses represented his Identity represented his income. It was his influence. It was his failures. He'd had a, the staff with him through his life as he was a, as he was a shepherd leading, leading sheep. The staff was with him in, in all of it. And, and the staff was, was what he leaned on. The, the staff is, what, is all he had. And God is saying to Moses, 
I want you to look at what you got. Everything you need, God, how am I going to do that? How am I gonna, everything you need is already in your hand, Moses. You, you already have everything you need for everything I'm calling you to do. See, you thought the miracle wasn't something you still needed. Like, if I had that, then we can do that, God. If, if I had the promotion, then we can go over it. God, if, if they would get their act together, then maybe. God, if, right? And it's always something else outside of what you have that you think you need to do what it is you believe God wants to do. But God says, no, no. Actually, the miracle doesn't exist in everything you don't have. The miracle exists in everything that you do have. Because if you don't have it, then God doesn't need it to be in your life at this moment to do what he wants to do in this moment. Are you with me? I'm trying to tell you, you already have everything you need. The miracle does not exist in everything you lost. Well, if I hadn't lost all that, if in, if in COVID as a church we didn't lose all that, well, that, the miracle doesn't exist in what we lost. The miracle exists in what we have. Amen? What's in your hand? And you need to ask yourself that question. Pay attention to it. Take inventory. Each of you have a certain amount of time. Each of us have a certain amount of education. We have a certain level of influence. Each of us have a certain sphere of influence in our life. Each of us have a certain job, vocation. Each of us have certain opportunities at the places God has, has led us. Each of us have a thing inside of us that makes us uniquely us, right? There's that thing in you, that personality God gave you, those, that gift set God gave you, that, that, that talent that God gave you. And he gave you that because it's a gift to you. And you have that. No one else has that. What do you have? And you need to look at what God has put in your hand. And let me tell you something, friends. It's enough. You've got everything you need to go up against and live in everything God has called you to. Moses, what is in your hand? Some of us look at what we got in our hand, we get a little frustrated. And this message right now for you is not very uplifting. Because you're looking in your hand and you're like, Pastor, you don't understand what I have in my hand. What I have in my hand is definitely not enough to meet the need that exists. What I have in my hand is brokenness. What I have in my hand is, is failure. What I have in my hand is, is hurt. What I have in my hand is so small in comparison to what needs to happen around me. What needs to happen in my marriage? What needs to happen in, in our church? What, what I have in my hand can't really do much. You felt like those disciples. I mean, when you go back to that story, they literally have nothing in their hand. Like, she's like, feed them. They're like, uh, you got anything? Disciples, you got anything? This is crazy. Does he know there's 15,000 people out there? Right? Does he? And so they, they have nothing. And so they have to go borrow. Hey, kiddo, can we, can we borrow your Lunchable real quick? And they go to this, and they go to Jesus, and they're like, I, I kind of think they're making a point to Jesus. Like, this is, this is crazy, Jesus. Like, we can't feed these people. Like, hey, Jesus, here, here's a boy with a Lunchable. You know, here's a boy with, 
barley loaves and two small fish, but you feel like this. Watch. Like, here's, here's what I have, barley loaves and a couple of fish. But what difference does this make, it says in John 6, 9. John 6, 9. But what difference does this make amongst so many? And some of you feel like that. You're frustrated. Because you look at what you have in your hand, and it isn't nearly enough to meet the need that, that you, you see in your heart, right? Or the need that you're feeling in your life. And you get frustrated, right? And it happens in church all the time, right? You come into church, you're like, church, we're going to change the world. And Pastor Chris, oh, he's all so fired up about everything. He's called to just do in California. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And you go running out of here just so, you're going to make a difference. I pray you leave like that. You're going to watch God do some things in your life. And you run out of here, and the world is on fire all around you. And you go, and you, you pull out with, like, your squirt gun. You're like, this feels a little overwhelming. Someone say overwhelming. Right? It's like overwhelming. Like, like all I have is the squirt gun. Like, how am I supposed to? And it gets overwhelming, right? And you feel like these disciples, you look at what's in your hand, and it's just a squirt gun. I can't do much. I can't do much with this. Not much is going to happen with me going at this. And the world's on fire uh, all around me. Here's what happens, and here's the danger. Some of you are in this spot. Where because that's so overwhelming, you actually end up holstering that thing. Like, eh, why try? I mean, my goodness. It's like, are we really making a difference? And some of you, listen, you've pushed pause on life. Some of you have given up. Some of you have quit on the very things God has called you to press into because you feel like what you're doing actually isn't making a difference in the, in the realm of what he's called you to do. And so you push pause. You, you kind of let yourself fall into just kind of a complacency. And some of you, listen to me, you need to wake up and stop being complacent. Because God gave you everything you need to do all that he's called you to do. He's given us as a church everything we need to have the influence and, and, and bring healing and hope to our land in the way he's called. So we already have all that we need. And you cannot, even though you feel overwhelmed and even though you feel like it might not make that much of a difference, you have got to start with what you've got. It's in your hand for a reason. Okay, right? You with me? So here's what I got. Now what do you do with what you got? Listen, you do all you can with all that you got. What do I do? What do I do? This is all I got. Then you just, you just give it all. You do all you can with all that you got. You don't, you don't push pause. You, you, give it, you give it a little energy. You give it a little oomph. You got, I'm just going to do all I can. You, you kind of double down and you press in. You see, sometimes we are so focused on everything we can't do because everything we don't have. And we miss out on everything we can do because of everything we do have. Do not miss out on what you can do with what you do have because you're just so focused on what you don't have and what you can't do. Do what you can. Listen, you might not. You might not be able to lead everybody at your place of employment to Jesus. You might not be able to bring everybody at your place of employment to church with you. You might not be able to make a difference in everybody's life that you run into at, at work, but you can make a difference in somebody's life. You can bring somebody. You can share the gospel with somebody, right? Matter of fact, I'm going to say it to you this way. Although we can't make a difference in everybody's life, it doesn't excuse us from making a difference in somebody's life. 
You've got to do all you can with all that you've got. If you have a certain level of influence, you, you leverage it for the one. Think about Jesus. He's walking around. There's massive need around him all the time. Did Jesus heal? Did he heal everybody? Did Jesus? Jesus, did he? Every story you read, whether it's Lazarus, whether it's, uh, you know, little Zacchaeus up in a tree, wee little man was he, come on everybody. What do all those stories have in common? It's individuals, right? Jesus ministered to the individual, just, just one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. What did he do? He just did what he could with what's in front of him. Did what, and, and then you don't think you're expected to do anything less than that? He just, he just asks you to do what you can with what I've given you to do it with. Stay at it. Stay faithful. Don't back up. Don't give in. Do what you can with all that you got. James 4, 17 says this, if anyone then, see, you, we don't get to excuse ourselves because we don't have a lot. Jesus says this, if anyone then knows to do the good they ought to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Like if you know that there's some, I could do something, but you don't do it, he says, you, you've missed it. It literally means you've missed the mark. You're, you're missing out on what God has for you because you're unwilling just to do the, the little things. See, look at everybody, like, we all want to get there, don't we? We all want to get there in our marriage. We all want to get there with our finances. We all want to get there in our relationship with our kids. We all want to get there. You can fill in the blank. Here's where I want to get. We all want to get there. But you will never get there unless you start somewhere. You just do what you can. What can I do today? What can I do to make a difference in this relationship? What can I do to make a difference in my finances? What can I do today? Because what I do today will set the trajectory and the momentum of what's going to happen tomorrow. And some of you have checked out on today because you feel so overwhelmed. But everything God wants to do in your tomorrow already exists in what you need to do today. You, you have it already in your hands. And so here's what you got. Just do all you can. You might feel like it's not a lot. But that's your, your part. That's your part. And you can't check out on that, everybody. So tell me real quick. Like, what have you got? Hey, tell me real quick. Like, what can you do? Well, I guess I could. Perfect. Start there. And here's the last and most important it's that you, you do all you can with all that you got. But then hear me on this, guys. Look at this. You need to give them all that you've got. Like, it's called, look at me, it's called surrender, everybody. It, it's called, it's called, it's called letting your life be lived with giving him every, it's surrendering it all to him. I know it might not look like a lot, but God, I'm, I'm going to give you all, all I've got. You know, whenever you have something, you have time, you have a talent, you have, you know, uh, the stage of your life, you have whatever it is that God has given you. Whenever we have something, I think that we, we love to create all sorts of plan with the, with the thing that we have in our hand, right? Don't we? Like, here's my something, here's my time. Well, here's what I'm going to do with all my time. Here's my, my resource. Well, here's what I'm going to do with all my resources. I'm going to, and we come up with all these plans for the things that we have and what we want to do with, with what we've got, but I need to let you know something, friends, when, when you go and do what you want with what you've got, you will only get as far as you can go. Did that go over your head and did it make sense? 
if I'm doing what I want with what I've got, guess what it'll produce? It'll only get me where I can go. Why? Because I'm doing what I want with what I got. But God doesn't want to get you only to where you can go. God wants to get you further than you can go. He wants to do more than you could ever think or imagine. God wants to, God wants to do greater. Someone say greater. He wants to get you, he wants to move you into greater. Well, you will never see the greater if you're only doing what you want to do with what you got. The magic happens, the, the miracle happens. God shows up when, instead of you doing what you want to do with what you got, you say, God, I'm going to give you all I got. What do you want to do with all I got? So the question isn't, what do I want to do with my time? God, what do you want me to do with my time? God, what do, what do I want to do with my finances? What do I want to do with my resource? God, what do I want to do with my relationships? No, the, the question for the Christian, the believer who wants a front row seat to God performing miracles is, God, I don't got a lot, but what do you want to do with what I've got? I am preaching better than you. This is for me too. That postures you for a miracle. The miracle of provision in your life that God wants to bring is always, it's always on the other side of you answering that question and being obedient to the answer, right? Some of you get right up next to the edge, but you're just unwilling to give God what you got, so you only go as far as you can get. And God is like, come on, let's go a little further. Come on, come on. Take a step of faith. What is faith? Faith is just leaning into me and trusting me and doing with what you got, what I'm asking you to do, giving him all you got. That's what allows you to step into this place where you watch God do more through what you've got than you could ever do through what you got. Is this making sense, everybody? So think about that. God wants to do a great work. So he presses his people up against great need. And the way he meets that need is through what he's already put in their hands. And they can complain about what's in their hands. And what's in our hands always seems less than what's actually needed to, to meet the need that's out there. And, but God says, that's all you need is what I've already put in your hands. Do what you can now and, and, and give it all to me. Like, so think about now Moses. You remember back in the story, God tells Moses, throw it down. He throws it down. It turns into a snake. Like, that's, that's wild. He runs, and as he's running away from the thing that he just threw on the ground, God goes, hey, hey, pick it back up. I'm like, what? I don't like snakes. It's scary. Grab by the tail, pick it up. I don't want to pick it up. I don't want to do what you're asking me to do with what you've given me to do. But I'll, all right, scary, but I'll pick it back up. Picks back up, throws back down the snake. And God's teaching Moses there in the beginning part of Exodus, just to do what I've asked you to do with what I've given you to do it with. Because as you move through Exodus, God would work miracles as Moses just kept doing what God had asked him to do with what he'd given him to do it with. So Moses is up against the, the Red Sea. And in, in the story in the, book of, in the book of Exodus, 
the Pharaoh and his armies are coming in from behind him. The Pharaoh is pressing up against him. The, the, the tension is so high, everybody. They just left. Come on, everybody. They just left Egypt. And, and now these armies are going to come wipe them out. And by the way, Scripture says that God led them up to this sea. They went a roundabout way. Like in other words, there's a, there's a more direct route to get to the promised land. But God said, we're not going to go that way. We're going to go this way. Well, God, that's so mean. Why would you lead them up to the, to the Red Sea? Because God didn't want to just get them to the promised land. He wanted to deliver them completely from the enemy. But the way he was going to deliver them through the enemy was by moving them through the Red Sea so that he could engulf his enemy in the Red Sea. But he gets up against the Red Sea. Come on, some of you are up against the Red Sea and you're like, why am I here? Because God's just not trying to get you to the promised land. He's trying to deliver you from everything that was holding you back in that place of slavery, right, from, from your enemy. So he's there up against the Red Sea. And God now says, here's how I'm going to deliver you in this last moment, this last minute when it's, when it's scary and it looks like there's no hope at all. Matter of fact, the children of Israel are like, was there not enough graves in Egypt? Why did you bring us out here, right? And then he says to him this, but lift up your rod, Exodus 14, 16. Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Take that stick and do with it what I'm asking you to do with it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. God, that sounds like a crazy plan. This little old stick. Remember what I did with that stick before, Moses? Watch what I'll do now. Not much. But I'm just going to do what he asked me to do with what you've given me to do it with, although it doesn't look like a lot. And Moses, Exodus 14, 21, says that he stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind. I want you to note this, all that night. Some of you think Moses went out there and went, stretched it out, and the sea just went, because you watch like movies or something where that, that just, and just in, in a matter of moments, the sea just stands up on end. And some of you are frustrated because you, you tried to do what God called you to do with what he'd given you to do it, but then no sea stood up on end in a matter of moments. But it says Moses did that all night. Like, so he's like, this, oh, so this is getting, have you tried to hold up your hand? Like, some of you worshiping the church, you're like, that was good. Oh, all right. <laughs> Moses all night is like, I'm just going to keep doing what he told me to do until he tells me to do something else. This hurts. But in the middle of him doing what God told him to do with what he'd given him to do it, as he leaned in and he stretched out and he pushed and he, God was doing a miracle and causing that sea to stand up on end. And it tells us that that ocean, that sea got pushed back all that night and made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. The children of Israel go through on that dry land. The, the armies of the Pharaoh come in behind and God closes it in, performs a miracle as Moses just took the little that he had, took just the stick, and he just offered it to God. You guys, this isn't just... Bible stories that are supposed to be celebrated. The stories that are meant to be experienced in the context of your life, in the context of our church, in the context of, of California, this nation. Like, you just do what he's asked you to do with what he's given you to do with it. The disciples, 5,000. What in the world are we going to do? We're going to borrow this kid's lunchable, bring it to Jesus. What do you want us to do, Jesus? This is all we've got. Some of you got bigger dreams than what your, what your current capacity could allow you to live at. And you're like, it's all I got. 
this capacity, this level of leadership, this level of understanding of my faith, or of my body. I mean, how in the world? I mean, come on. Disciples bring this meal to Jesus, this, this insufficient. And Jesus says, bring it to me, and he blesses it. Can you imagine being one of the disciples in this moment? You're like, oh, is he really doing this right now? Like, Jesus, this is going to be embarrassing. Like, if anyone decides to throw this on their Insta right now, it's going to be you with two, you just a small meal, a couple fish, a few loaves, and you embarrassing us, right, by trying to feed all these people with just this little snack. Like, this is ridiculous, Jesus. And they're thinking this while he's praying. They're looking at each other going, this is crazy. Is he really going to make us do this right now? And Jesus, just confident as ever, blesses it. And says, here you go, pass this out. Okay. <laughs> Weird. And Jesus actually built the tension. He's like, everybody sit down. Sit down. Hey, everybody calm down. If you could, if you just sit down in the back. I'm going to just sit down. We're going to feed you all today. Okay. They, they grab it. And Jesus said, just give it out. Here you go. I'm going to give you some. This isn't going to last very long. I'm going to give you some. And what they found is every time they give it out, God would give it back. Wait, I thought, I, thought, I, I tore that off, and, but there's still some, okay, I'm going to give it out. And God just kept giving it back. And, and all of a sudden, what, what, what they thought was going to be a, a moment of failure and a moment of insignificance and a, and a moment that, that led them into, into this, like, great moment of uh, the world looking and going, did you really think you were going to? I was another walker going, hey, some for you and you and just going to, uh, I can't get rid of this enough because it just keeps, and they're walking around there, they're meeting these and they're showing up to families, hey, did you want, how much do you want, you want some extra? Oh, I got some extra for you. Here you go. Here you go. What started out as a little has actually become a lot because God is in the midst of it. And now they're just walking, they're just having fun with this thing. Just bread for everybody. Fish. And think about this for a second. God could have met that need in any other way. I mean, Jesus could have said, I was sit down. We're going to go back to old school, bring some manna out of, we're going to rain down some bread from heaven. Fish are going to swim up through the grass. I mean, that would have been cool. But what's even cooler is that Jesus allowed them to be part of the miracle. He wants them to live in it and experience it. He uses his disciples. And so they go in there, just pass that bit, pass that bit. And, and then the, the, the Word of God gives us this little insight. It says that after they were finished, they brought back 12 baskets full of leftovers. Can you imagine it started like this? Here you go. Okay, I, I try to divide two loaves and a couple fish up against 12 disciples. You don't get a lot. Each disciple is a little bit. They come back like a basket. They're full. They come back, come back, like this, like carrying it back. And, and, and Jesus, is, I know he's sitting there going, don't you ever doubt me again. Each one of you going to carry back more. Each one of you going to find that, that I'm always sufficient. That what I put in your hands is enough when you do with it what I've asked you to do. You've got enough because you have him. Church, we have enough because we have him. We stand at the edge of what he's called us to do. In obedience, we step out and do all that he's called us to do with everything he's given us to do. And 
miracles will take place in our midst in Jesus' name, in your life in Jesus' name. Amen, church. God.